Welcome to Mommy's on a Call, your sacred space to laugh, learn, and feel like a real grown-up human for a hot minute. I'm Stephanie Uchima Carney, a mom of three under six, serial entrepreneur, business strategist, and donut connoisseur, just trying to get through the day one cold cup of coffee at a time. I believe that with more intention, a positive mindset, and self-care, it is possible to thrive in motherhood, business, and life. My mission is to uncover the daily rituals, life lessons, real-life tactics, and favorite tools to inspire and empower you, mommy, to get the most out of life every single unpredictable day. So grab your headphones, tell your kids you're on the potty, and tune in weekly for some laughs, knowledge bombs, and plenty of real talk with real moms, and maybe a dad or two. Welcome to the Mommy Pod. Hello, and welcome back to Mommy's on a Call. This week, I'm bringing to you Kara Zilas. She's an author, educator, kindness advocate, and the founder of Big World Little Dude, an educational platform teaching children ages three through seven social and emotional skills through a book series and curriculum. She's also the mom of two little ones and for mom to Little Dude, a real life therapy dog with the Good Dog Foundation. Welcome. Hi, so lovely to be here. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. And thank you for coming to us all the way from Australia. That's incredible. Yes. So we wanted to start off by asking, what was your biggest mom win of the week? Uh, The biggest mom win of the week, I guess it's transitioning from moving all the time. Like we were just in Sydney. Now we're back in where we're living and there's always so many transitions. So I would say like working on transitions has been like a big mom win for the week just to keep everyone sane and on the same page and making sure everything's running smoothly. So I would say that's my mom win of the week. Perfect. And give us a little bit of context about what your family structure looks like and your current sort of situation. Sure. So I'm originally from Australia. However, uh, we were living in New York for 10 years and uh, we decided to come to Australia for personal reasons during the pandemic. And then we just decided to stay. My husband works from home. I'm working from home and we have two young children. Theodore is 18 months and Grace is five. And she just started kindergarten and she is loving it. It's so sweet. She's in a little country school and it's really lovely. I was curious about the transition from New York to Australia for your kids in particular. You know, there was a lot going on in the world last year and to pick them up and move them, especially at the time you said he was three months old and then your daughter was about four. How did that go? Especially thinking we're only going to move for three months. And then all of a sudden it's now a year plus later and you're still in Australia. How was that transition? Speaking of transitions for your kids, we decided to position it to our children as we're going on an adventure. So we kind of hid the stressfulness of packing and uh, the stress of packing and leaving and moving to ourselves and manage that sort of behind closed doors, I guess, as much as we could. And we sort of posed it to our four-year-old. I mean, obviously our baby didn't know what was going on and just said, you know, we're going on an adventure. We framed it as a positive, exciting thing, not as something that was stressful and scary. And plus she'd been to Australia many times before. So we just focused on, you know, we're going to be in nature and you're going to go see family and friends. And do you remember this person? And we're going to go here. And so we really framed it 
as a positive experience. And then we thought, you know, we had to do two weeks hotel isolation. So we gave her plenty of warning about what that entails. So she had a good understanding. And I literally packed a bag of arts and crafts and we kept very occupied. (laughs) So was that four of you in a hotel room for two weeks, including a three month old at the time? Yes. How did you do that? How did you mentally survive that? Well, our three, we actually, we moved, we kind of came when my son was almost a year old and my daughter was four and a half. And so my son had two milestones. He turned one in hotel isolation and he learned to walk. So it was like so adorable and we were so excited and we were so stressed coming, packing, nervous about getting Corona, flying, visas. It it was so stressful that we, for the first four days, we actually enjoyed just not having to be anywhere. But then, yeah, by day seven, eight, nine, ten, they were long days. But we kind of said this is a unique experience and we just enjoyed being around each other. And it, it was good. It, was, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Did either your husband or you get any work done during that quarantine period? <laughs> I'm just curious. <laughs> at, how does this all work? You know, how do you <laughs> look? my husband has his own business. So he was working on New York times. And then for that week, we said, you know, for the first four days, we said, we're not doing any work. We made that kind of pact. We're giving ourselves like three or four days to get acclimatized and just to relax for a minute and take a deep breath. And because of the time differences, we had a lot of jet lag. He was up all night. So I was sort of tending to him to make sure he got on the right time schedule for sleep. And yeah, no, it was, I didn't really do too much work. You know, I, I looked at emails and attended to anything that was immediate. And my husband tended to work a little bit more taking phone calls during the night and things like that. When you can't leave a hotel room, you know, in New York has trained us because we've, it was an apartment. It was two bedrooms. There was outdoor space. There was a washer and dryer, a kitchen. So it wasn't like, a hotel room with nothing and one room. So it, it, it was fine. It was just a little bit strange because you forget that there's a world around you. Like after the 14th day, it's just, you, you're you just so in your world and you think that you just forget that there's life outside. It's like the very strange feeling. Any tips on a uh, jet lag for kids? You know, you just have to ride it out. There is no secret source. It's just trying to get them on that schedule. And if they wake up in the middle of the night, just, you know, keeping it dark. And I, I had my son with me in my bed and we just kind of, you know, he, he was more upset and crying because I guess he was confused. So, yeah. And then with my daughter, she would sometimes wake up at three in the morning, like wide awake and starving. That's an interesting one. So <laughs> it just takes about, a, you know, a week to get through. So let's talk a little bit about your company that you started. Tell the audience, you know, what is it all about and what was the inspiration behind starting it? Sure. So uh, Big World of Little Dude, as you said, was is an educational platform teaching kids social and emotional skills, which means teaching kids about self-awareness, social awareness, things like meditation to help with emotional regulation, about feelings, manners, empathy, kindness, all those ideas that we really want our young children to have a strong foundation in. And uh, it is targeted to the early childhood, so three to seven, because that's the most important time in a child's 
development because they're really learning at a rapid pace and they form the foundation of knowledge in those years. And then my experiences um, as a teacher, um, a Montessori teacher. So when I was in the Montessori classroom, I just saw that there was an unmet need, like why aren't we teaching social and emotional skills explicitly at this age? We teach children letters, sounds, numbers. We teach them so many foundational things, like they read for the rest of their lives. They use numbers for the rest of their lives. Why aren't we teaching what kindness is, what empathy is, and what all these important skills are and what they mean and how they affect themselves and others? And I had uh, my dog and I, we were a therapy dog team with the Good Dog Foundation and as a volunteer position, and we would visit schools and hospitals. And it was through that experience of meeting just a range of people that you would never meet before. Like I would go to pediatrics ICU at New York Presbyterian and um, a charter school for autism and age care facility where people were really not well. And you just have experiences where you're, you know, you do a small act of kindness. And I just wanted to share that idea with the children in the classroom where I was teaching, like why it's important to be kind to others and the reward that it is both the giver of kindness and the receiver of kindness. So I thought, oh, I'm going to bring my dog, little dude, into the classroom. I'm going to share his story and he'll be like my vehicle to teach them this idea about kindness. And then it just kind of started from that. So it was very organic. And then, as I said, I saw an unmet need in the curriculum about teaching all those important social and emotional skills in an explicit way. And so I thought, oh, I'm going to write a book about it. Well, what's the impact a book going to have? okay, I'll write a series of books and then I will write a curriculum to go along with it. So then I, that's how it all began. What do you think are some of the key things that we miss about teaching kids about say empathy? I love that you focus on the social emotional because I see that I have an almost three-year-old and an almost six-year-old and seeing that um, the other day, I literally said to my husband, how can we teach him empathy? Because, you know, kids say things, they say what they, what's on their mind. They, they say it as it is very black and white, yes. but sometimes it can be extremely mean. And we just, we keep trying to say like, oh, you know, that, that could hurt their feelings or that might not be the best thing to say, but it's really hard to teach that. Like, how do you go about teaching children empathy? You try and get it from their perspective. So you do things like, for example, with my lesson, one of the ways I do it is, so little dude goes to the vet. Do you go to the doctor? How do you feel when you go to the doctor? Little dude gets shots. How does that make you feel when you get a shot? So you try and put your child in their shoes. So when my daughter, as you said, like children will just say, like we'll be out on the street and she'll, she'll make a comment about something. And it's like, she's stating the obvious, but it's about saying, well, what happens if someone said that to you? So I always turn it around. What happens if someone said that to you? How would that make you feel? And let them process that. And then they'd be like, oh, yeah, that would make me feel sad. Well, yeah, that would make that other person feel sad too. And that's why we don't say certain things like that. So you just try and turn it around and have them think about it rather than saying, oh, you you know, we don't say that because that goes over their head. They're thinking, why don't we? But if you try and get it from their perspective um, and put them in the shoes and turn it around and get them to think about the feelings. And it's also got to do with like making sure that they have the right language 
especially around feelings like and emotions and that helps with self-regulation too because if a child can name what they're feeling it can help them process when they're in the moment and you can model it you can say I see you are frustrated I see you are frustrated so just seeing so just you're aware of it and you see them and you hear them and you can understand them and that's a good way to start practicing empathy and language around feelings I see you are frustrated I see you are angry so just acknowledging that they have feelings because we also have a range of feelings but as adults not all adults can self-regulate like some adults can go have a tantrum too so like little children have the same rolling feelings as we do but we just can process them but we have to help them process the feelings Ah, I see So throughout the last year and, you know, teaching these lessons and things, have you seen a shift in kind of the social emotional side of children, things that maybe your company was pivoting to focus more on helping parents with? What kind of were those and what did you have to do maybe differently in your business? Yeah. So I really did pivot because when we were in New York and they shut down schools. And so I had my five, you know, four-year-old daughter at home with me. And she went to a school where they don't do any technology for children in the elementary school. So they weren't doing Zoom or anything. And I thought, what am I going to do with my daughter? I want her to continue learning and growing and being excited, engaged. And also it was such a scary time. And so I kind of threw myself into doing activities with her. And then I had a lot of friends saying like, what are you doing? And everyone was so stressed. Like, do you remember that time in March where everyone was so stressed? You had your kids at home and it was so overwhelming because there was so much unknown, so much fear. And so I was decided to write a curriculum for parents to use at home. So like hands-on activities. So I created it in real, I would do it in, in real time with my daughter over the week. And then at night I would be madly putting it into a format that I could send to parents. And it was all activities that were hands-on, very easy for parents to follow. So not like reams and reams, because I'm sure people are on Pinterest and this and that. And like, I'm a teacher, so it didn't overwhelm me. I was like, cool, I get to do all these things with my daughter that I would never get to do because she's in school doing them with another teacher. But if you're not a teacher, it was very overwhelming. Like Definitely. I was in that position. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it was like some, if someone from the top restaurant said to me, right, you got to come in and cook the meal for the restaurant tonight. You'd be like, I, I don't know how to do that. And you just be kind of piecing it together. So it's like that feeling of, yeah. And like, it was a lot of pressure on parents to deal with at that time. So yeah, I created these at-home lessons for parents and I also sold it to schools. So did your business, because of this change, kind of explode during this time? Did you see that your business was actually doing better because of all of it? In a way, the change was changed my direction, which I thought was interesting. Like I, I kind of didn't have that. It was more my lessons were books and lessons for teachers and ideas for parents, but it wasn't as involved as like creating a curriculum. So yeah, it was a very big change, but a positive one, I think, because, you know, sometimes you just have to follow that path. And how did that all change now that you moved from New York to Australia? Oh, it was really like, because when I also launched School in a Box, which is all the materials that go along with the lessons. 
And I also have a like buy one, give one program where you can like buy a box to give it to New Yorkers for Children and ACS, which is where I used to visit with Little Dude, um, which is like the child foster care system. We used to go and visit kids but because of the pandemic. Everything was shut. So I had that as well. And I launched that as we were decided to like pack up our, uh, you know, not pack up, but just pack for coming to Australia for three months in the middle of a pandemic and launching this whole new side of my business. Like Which I don't think I physical, for six right? weeks. Like it's, yes, it's fulfillment. It's so how do you yes. handle you know, physical products fulfillment when now you're not in New York, you're working technically remotely. How does that work? I have a wonderful teacher that I have in New York who's helping me and I like run it out of my apartment. So she just goes there and fulfills whatever I need and helps me on that end. But yeah, it's been really difficult because I was planning to homeschool my children. I had a teacher lined up for the new school year and it was kind of a last minute decision to come to Australia because we had a family issue where we were like, no, we have to go. So it was really disruptive, to be honest. Um, and then it was such a shock when we got here and Seth was working on New York Times. So I really had to like take on the responsibility of the kids. So my business went from running at such a high level and then I didn't have a choice. I kind of just had to drop, I, I dropped the ball. It was tough because I was so in it and I loved it. I was so excited. And then I was like, nope, sorry, you you got to be a mummy and you got to, you know, do all these other things that are just going to take precedence. So it was really tough. I think that resonates with so many moms out there that we had yeah. to. And I mean, at least you were a teacher. So you had you yes. know, the, the resources to do that. But I think a lot of women out there had to put their careers on pause and had yes. to do that during that time that, you know, you had to kind of take a step back. Have you reconsidered anything? Have you decided or changed what the vision of your business wants to be? Or, you know, what is the future of that look like of big world, little dude? No, my mission and everything is still exactly the same. I decided when I got here that I would do a master's in it of education. So I kind of am using the opportunity of being here to further my studies, which I've always wanted to do. So I'm, I'm doing that as well. And just finding my feet here. Like I had such an amazing crew of women who were so supportive in New York who were entrepreneurs, who were mummies. And I built this amazing network over 10 years. And now I feel like in some ways starting again. And like it is, it's half of it is your network in a way. And I'm just so thankful for Hey Mama community because so many women there have like kept me sane pretty much. Like, especially in those moments where you just like, oh, I'm just going to throw it all in. Like, you know, you have those moments. Why am I doing this? But then I, I have those feelings and then I kind of in my head play out. Okay, so I will stop it in my head. I like, why am I doing this? I'll just go and teach in a classroom. Like, why am, why am I doing this? And then I just like, no, 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 I can't. Like, I don't want to. Like, I have a passion to do it. And so I kind of, that's my trick that I do. I was like, okay in your head, fantasize about not doing this anymore. How would it look like? How would it make you feel? And then I was like, no, I've worked so hard to get where I am. And I'm not just going to throw that away. I'm just going to keep going and put one foot in front of the other. And also, you know, you have up and down days. You just got to ride that wave. 
I think you said a few key points there, though, is it's not just putting one foot in front of the other and saying that you worked so hard to build this. You added the point that you were super passionate about it, because one of the questions I like asking is, you know, was there ever a point you just wanted to quit, throw it all away? And why didn't you? And so maybe to the woman out there. Yeah. Who are thinking about it and fantasizing about leaving something, but it actually feels good to them. I think that was, that's the big difference is you were so passionate about it that you couldn't imagine when you envision leaving to leave. So that's why you put one foot in front of the other versus some people might look at it and be like, what am I doing? I hate this so much. I do just want to leave and it's okay. And I think I've even had those moments where I'm like, but I work so hard but I'm not enjoying it. So then why continue? And it's hard to let go of that. So thank you for saying that. Yes. And I think that's like, especially this year, it's been very challenging. And that's the kind of the one, not tip, but anyone who sort of says, you know, I want to start this business. And I was like, are you passionate about it? Because if it's not, you don't want to live, breathe, think about it all the time. And it's not like something that you really are passionate about don't do it because you will not last the distance. It has to be something that connects with you, makes you feel inspired, creative, wants to make change. And that's where I I go back to. It's like, I want to make a difference, even if it's for one person's life or one family's life or whatever it is. And it kind of brings it back to my idea of, you know, the experience I had volunteering with Little Dude in all the hospitals, it's like just one little act of kindness. Yeah, it's not going to change the universe, but it's going to change that person's moment in that time. And that's why I do what I do. So another question is a lot of also women have companies and had to take a step back from working or doing that. But it was also really hard because financially they needed to keep working too. And so some of them are looking for other things. Maybe they're not passionate about it, but because they need to financially kind of, you know, help their family. Were you ever in that position or were you fortunate enough to be able to step back? Because that's, I think, another part of the overall picture. Yeah. And if you were, you know, what other things did your family maybe do to make this work? Yes. No, I mean, that's the other thing the pandemic shined a light on. It's like, I woke up every morning and saying, I have gratitude for where I am. So yeah, my life is disrupted and I've got all these other things. And you know, you can feel two things at once. You can feel frustrated and sad and mourn like, oh, I, this happened. Like, you know, I used to have this life and do these things and be around these people. But also at the same time, be like, I have all the key things I need in my life. I have beautiful family, wonderful children, roof over my head, food on my table and love in my home. And like those things have remained consistent and those, when I am having those tough moments, I kind of draw myself back to like, you know, I have all the essentials and like, I am in a very lucky position where, you know, my husband supports what I do and he's an entrepreneur too. And so I was lucky enough to step back, to be able to step back. But I know like so many families were not in that position. So Yeah. No, it's been a tough year for families. Yes. And along the lines of support, I mean, you had a support system in New York. What does your support system now look like in Australia, whether it's, you know, behind the scenes, childcare help, or whether it's, you know, business support, like what does your support look like now? And, or are you still searching for that? Uh, A bit of both. Like I, you know, I grew up here, so I have 
all my family and friends, which, you know, I, in New York, it was, I didn't have my family and I didn't, oh, I had my, my brother was there, which I was really lucky, but I didn't have my parents there. I didn't have my childhood friends. Like all my friends were new friends. So I have that support, which is lovely. And those connections, which is great. But I would say building that business network, I feel like I'm starting from zero and it's very different here. It's not like New York or America where it's like, it's different. It's different culturally. I'm curious, what are the biggest differences? I don't know too much about the business culture of Australia, but I would love to learn more. Well, it's definitely smaller, much, much smaller pool because there's just not as many people. Like America's got hundreds of millions of people. Australia has 25 million, like in the whole of Australia. So it's much smaller. And they're just not into it. Maybe things have changed in the last 10 years, but, and I'm sure they have, but it's just not as much of a networking culture like it is in New York. Different. It's different. Well, I was going to say on my podcast, a few episodes back, I had um, Emma Isaacs and she is the founder and head of Business Chicks, which is, was Australia's biggest yes, female entrepreneur. Yes, yes. So you should check her out. <laughs> I do. I know her because she's married to, her husband is went to my school oh. and I've actually been to some of her events, but it's yeah, hard I've been to, start to some over. of her events. Yeah. yeah. And also I'm in the country too. Like I'm right. in a small t- country town of 2,500 people, but it's fine because you know what? It pushes me out of my comfort and to meet new people and find my feet. So it, it doesn't scare me it will worry me or I have fear around it. It's just, it's just the time to accrue those relationships. It takes time to build relationships. They don't happen overnight. And as you know, you have, children and a family so it you know people are time poor at this stage of our lives we've got young kids so it's hard to it's doubly hard to make those connections I definitely agree I and it's also hard because everything's over zoom pretty much now Mm. you know we're we're barely back in person and so there aren't big events that you can go to and meet other other women so I completely relate yes I miss that I really miss in-person events. Don't you miss yeah, meeting other people? You should host people? host an event yourself in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Bring people to you. <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> well, I wanted to kind of wrap this up with a couple of final questions. And one is, what do you think is a superpower that you gained once you became a mom? And how does that help you in either business or life? I would say time management. And being organized. I mean, I've always been very organized, but in terms of time management, like you don't have time to mess around. Like you have to make sure everything is organized and in place so everything runs smoothly. So I would say that is something that has helped me in business and in everything. And any last advice for any moms out there who are going through this sort of transition or maybe even took a step back for a little bit and are getting back into things, you know, any advice for any aspiring entrepreneurs out there? Yeah, I would say follow your passion and also don't be so hard on yourself. We tend to be our harshest critics and like that's me included. I would like to take my own advice, which is really difficult to say, don't be your harshest critic. And don't be so hard on yourself. It's been a tough year and everyone has done amazingly and we've got through. 
And so I think focus on that and have those moments where you are soft and easy on yourself. Well, thank you so much for joining today. Where can we find you online? Sure. I am uh, at World of Little Dude or www.bigworldoflittledude.com. Thank you so much for joining today. I really appreciate it. Yeah. So lovely to chat to you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Mommy's on a Call. Your support means the absolute world to me. You can find the show notes for this episode and other goodies over at mommiesonacall.com. And if you enjoyed this episode or have gotten value from the podcast, I would be so grateful if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review so that we can reach and empower more moms all over the world together. Thank you so much again, Mommy Pod, and I will see you here next time.